The Indianapolis Colts select the Draft Indie Podcast. All right, everybody, welcome to a post-draft Draft Indie Podcast. I'm your host, Grant Sinning. Tonight, I am joined by our regulars, Jay and Alex, and I also have Garrett and Ollie Dawes, um, who, if you are not a Colts Twitter OG, you probably don't know who Ollie is. Ollie is one of the originals, um, and we're glad to have him on to talk about the draft. So, hey, guys, um, how are we doing in this lockdown world? Uh, I just found out that I've been demoted from regular status. I guess you don't appear on a podcast for over 12 months, and that's what happens. But, okay. That's what happens, Garrett. I'm sorry. Fair enough. Always say something so that people can hear the accent. We can brag about how international we are. I mean, I'd hope that the accent isn't too bad. And going back to the sort of OG Colts Twitter, uh, I'm the one that uh, Eric Walden called the crab cake. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's yeah. Amazing. Uh, yeah, that that's definitely a OG Colts Twitter moment that no one will understand. Um, you just, just search, just Twitter search crab cake lamo. Um, you'll, you'll find it. It was it was absolutely hysterical. Uh, the 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 most important pass rusher to wear number ninety three for the Colts, um, putting Ollie on blast. Um, so I'm realizing now how long we've been doing this because Jay's yeah, Skype Abby is still Jay Ajayi <laughs> drinking like pickle juice on the Boise State sideline in like 2014 or whatever that was. Yeah, man. Um, the the first episode of the Draft Indie podcast. Um, did happen in, I believe it was 2014 um, or 2015. Um, you can you can YouTube them um, if you want. I think they're all still on YouTube. Um, and man, we're you guys look young. You guys have grown up a lot, so it's. I uh, was still a minor. Yeah. Yep. And Alex can't relate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, hey, look. Um, trying to keep this to about an hour, so. Let's just jump right into everything. Um, let's start with the off season or with the with the free agency, just real quick. And I'm going to throw this one um, to a Philip Rivers believer. I think um, Garrett, what does Philip Rivers bring immediately to the Colts um, in the off season? I mean, he brings obviously an upgrade at QB. Um, depending on how pessimistic you are or optimistic based on his last season and his age, um, we have to acknowledge this is like, this is Philip Rivers. This is like a top five-ish quarterback for the last decade or so in the NFL. This is like when people talk about oh, what would have happened if Drew Brees had never ended up in New Orleans. It's just Philip Rivers' career. That's what you're talking about. This guy is a really an incredible quarterback, and we got him obviously on a downswing in his career coming late. But we still see guys, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, playing in the league who are several years older than him and still having some success. In, Drew, in uh, Brees' case, great success. And I watched him play uh, last year, and I think he still has that crazy arm talent. And I think that uh, in a better situation, uh, in Reich's system, that we can uh, see him have more success and hopefully a resurgence. So I'm very optimistic about Rivers. I thought that they did the best possible thing they could have done at quarterback this offseason by going and getting him. And I think um, that has really colored the rest of their offseason decisions. It's all really been based around 
building a team quickly around Philip Rivers and doing things uh, to make him happy and successful in the upcoming year. Because this could end up potentially, if, if he plays well, he's on a one-year deal right now, which is great for the team. But if he does play well and doesn't want to retire, which he wouldn't, um, then this could be a longer commitment to him. We could see a resigning potentially. So I think they're preparing for that eventuality as well. But yeah, that was a good start to the offseason, in my opinion. So I 100% agree. I think that uh, it is it, the entire rest of the offseason is kind of built, in my opinion, around the Phillip River signing. Um, I think you, I think it had to be um, because Jacoby wasn't it. We weren't going to land one of those top quarterbacks without giving up mass capital, um, draft capital, and they weren't going to do that because that's just not in Balor's wheelhouse. Um, so I think it was you know entirely you know based around that. I mean it, I mean it has to be. Um, he's had one of the worst O lines in football for several years. Um, and now he comes to one of the best O-lines in football. Um, and I think that'll really help with him being, mm-hmm. is he 37? Anybody, is, is that he's 30, this is his age 38 season. I think he's turned 39 in December, which hopefully will be around the beginning of the playoffs in the NFL, but we're not sure that could end up being in February at this point. But yeah, he's, uh, so he's a few years younger than Breeze, as I just noted, and obviously much younger than Brady. So the age thing in the NFL for quarterbacks is weird right now because we've seen these elite players have this longevity that is really unprecedented, and it's a result of new medicine and new conditioning practices. But uh, for Rivers, a guy who's just been beat up a lot in the last few years, you wonder um, if he'll be able to join uh, in that rank or if he'll be, have be more of like a Roethlisberger situation or, or an Andrew Luck situation where it just uh, – the the hits just degrade him, his body over time. But uh, like I said, I think he still has the arm talent. And I think that with the better environment that we have here, everything else will sort of just fall into place. Yeah. So, um, I mean, everyone has talked this entire thing to, to the Philip Rivers thing to entirely to death. And that's not what we're here to talk about. So I will kind of move us very quickly um, into the draft and let's start with real quick because another thing that's been talked to absolute death is the fact that we traded our first round pick um, at the beginning of free agency Um, so Alex and Jay and I talked to you guys two days before free agency so this was before the Buckner trade happened Uh, I don't think that there's a much better person to talk about DeForest Buckner than our Oregon homer um, Jay Jay 10-second scouting report. What are we getting with the Forrest Buckner? And you're muted. <laughs> and he's probably not here. All right. We're just going to assume that he's not he here. He got scared. He got scared. All right, Alex, go. Yeah, so my middle name is Buckner, so I think I have the second most authority, you know, on this uh, panel. Wait, and- hold on. <laughs> what? <laughs> We'll, we'll we'll dive into that in the in the post episode. Um, but uh, <laughs> DeForest is uh, I watch a lot of 49ers. They're my second favorite team, and I uh, watch a fair amount of them. And I think uh, you know, I mean, everybody knows Buckner's good. I think he's sort of a household name in football, like Twitter uh, communities who sort of know all these defensive linemen. He doesn't obviously have the star power of some of these edge rushers, but he's. You know, I'd say an elite player. He's the problem sort of with the trade and my criticism of it 
is a that he's not elite elite not even like saying oh he's not Aaron Donald because of course nobody's Aaron Donald but the problem is he's not I don't even think he's maybe in that next year I think he has the upside to get to that I think he's still young um, but you're sort of already paying for that production with 20 plus a year um, which is sort of hard to swallow uh, and the fact of course that you're giving up a rookie contract on the for a 13th overall pick rookie contract potential wide receiver or even Kinlaw at defensive tackle um, it's sort of just my brief problem with the trade. I love Buckner, the player. I think he, I'm think he's going to keep getting better. I really, uh, think very highly of him. And if, as we said, they're sort of, uh, going all in on this rivers sort of regime for the next couple of years, Buckner makes a ton of sense and he's definitely going to contribute more than anybody, any 13th pick would over the next two years. Long-term maybe doesn't work out, but, um, I saw, I see where they're going and it's not, uh, it's fine, you know. A lot of a lot of the Colts moves this offseason I've characterized as fine, and this one's I think also fine. Now, Garrett, I know you are somewhat kind of critical of the Buckner trade contract. What 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 do you need to see from him to make it worth a first round pick? Uh, I think, like Alex said, he would really just need to take that next step to get to that kind of second level of interior defensive lineman, the one below Aaron Donald, who is the highest paid uh, defensive lineman in the league, obviously justifiably. But Buckner is the second highest paid, and he is not the second best defensive lineman in the NFL. Uh, I don't have a a problem with the contract so much because it is very front-loaded and therefore friendly to the Colts. Uh, Like I said, the, the nominative size, the numbers, that we're seeing per year over the next three years are really um, the type that you would normally give to an elite player. And Buckner has not been that in San Francisco. And I'm a little pessimistic that he'll really improve here. Um, One notable thing that PFF pointed out during this trade was that Buckner has um, a fairly high number, a fairly high percentage of his sacks from the last few years have been cleanup sacks. Uh, And I don't see him getting more of those in Indianapolis than he had in San Francisco when he was playing with Armstead and uh, obviously more talented uh, edge rushers around him. So I I don't think that we're going to get a a better player than what we've seen in San Francisco. And I don't think that the player in San Francisco was really worth this money, which is why they were, they put him on the trade block. And I I think that the Niners really did get the better end of this bargain. But um, remember what I said earlier, I, I think that this was really just something they did pursuant the Philip Rivers agreement to show him that we are committing to right now, that we are not, you are not a bridge quarterback. We are trying to contend. Um, so they're doing that to make him happy, but also to, because they really do believe that and they, they want a strong defensive player on their team. And they, the Colts are just so rich. So you could say this won't even matter. They're not going to be capped out anytime soon. So it, it made sense for both teams from that perspective. I just don't see the surplus of value that this creates. I guess really the what you have to really consider is the 49ers traded Buckner for pick 13, traded down one spot, and they picked up Javen Kinlaw. So in there, for 49ers, if he is 85% of what Buckner was at like 30% the cost, it's definitely a win for them. For us, yeah. for, for us, he needs to definitely take that next step. Um, still a very good player, but he, I mean, he will definitely have to command uh, quite a bit, um, 
quite a bit more. You know, he's gonna his 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 pass rush productivity is gonna have to go up. Not just the sack numbers, because I think he's had like what twenty two in the last two years. Um, but his yeah. like his actual pass rush pro- productivity and winning one on one, or even two on ones, is gonna have to go is gonna have to go up. Um, and and you're right, he does he's not playing next to Armstead um, with one of the Bosa's um, on the edge. Um, now, admittedly, he has. Um, Autry, who's very good, he's not he's not Armstead, and he has Houston, who's not Bosa, um, but you know it's still an interesting move. Um, so I, I, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing him on the field. Um, I think he will be a good player. Um, it, it'll I think time will tell um, if the trade was really worth it um, for the cost. But I mean, with how much money that they've had, it, I mean, with how much money they've had in their cap you know, space for so long, signing a player to a deal where he's making 20 something million a year really honestly means nothing because after it, after his front loaded piece goes on, um, when we're ready, when we have to resign Leonard, um, and some of those other guys from Ballard's second draft, uh, it really will be, um, it won't be as much of a casualty. Um, he is the second paid highest, he is the second highest paid defensive lineman. Um, but I think he's the first biggest name paid after, um, after Donald. So that, I think that will also, you know, we'll also have to see what those contracts look like for some of those other guys um, moving forward. So again, so that was our first round pick. Let's move to our second round pick. And I want to pick on Ollie. Um, Ollie, did you watch Michael Pittman Jr.? I have seen a little bit, yes. What What would you say about Michael Pittman Jr.? Well, um, to me, he seems like a very safe, receiver pick at that point in the draft um i'd say more more of a safe option than say uh, a denzel mims where you're sort of betting on the athletic ability like and him developing that over time i think Pittman has stuff that translates to the nfl now so he can win catches in traffic he extends his arms well to make catches big target um I think Rivers has liked playing with that sort of receiver in the past. So you look at Mike Williams, Vincent Jackson, sort of could fit a similar sort of mould with the Colts and very much a different type to T.Y. Hilton and Paris Campbell, which hopefully will um, just make the offence a little bit more balanced. Yeah, I think he is... So when you lose a player um, like Ebron... Ebron, I don't know. I said Ebron. Maybe you're wearing on me there, Ollie. But uh, you lose a player like Ebron, who's kind of their slot wide receiver, even though he's a tight end, right? Um, you still need that big body catch guy. Um, I think he's got five drops in 176 catches, um, which is amazing. Uh, really, I mean that's truly just a, an amazing stat. Um, so I really do feel like he will be that dynamic. Um, that dynamic catching target that we that we don't have, um, right? That we we didn't have anybody who's six foot four ran ran forty as fast as that guy, um, except for Ebron. But Ebron dropped an amazing amount of passes. So I really feel like they'll play the same role, even though one's a tight end, one's a wide receiver. Um, I mean, you look. I think like I was watching some some Pittman tape, and there was a couple times where he was running like jet sweeps and stuff like that out of the slot. Um, which a six-four dude running jet sweeps is hilarious, but they did that with Ebron. If you remember, they did that a couple times. Um, so I, I really do see the fit in the offense. Um, and I mean, 
I mean, if you guys, you guys have, we've all listened to Ballard for, you know, however long he's been our GM. This is what his third draft, fourth draft. I can't remember. I think it's his third draft. Um, Fourth draft. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. But anyways, I mean, what has he said every single year? They want high character athletic guys and he's top. I think he's in the 85th plus percentile spark senior captain went to the senior bowl lauded for high character all that kind of stuff i don't think that they could have in his height weight speed you know what i mean i don't think they could have proto made a michael Pittman jr um any better uh you know wide receiver for what the colts would draft um than him so i'm really excited for him i mean i just watching his tape the catch radius is insane and i ollie you you definitely nailed the um you definitely nailed it when you said it's the kind of receiver that Rivers likes to play with. Um, you think about uh, Mike Williams last year. That's all he did was catch fi- those 50-50 balls on the sideline, and he, he was very successful for them last year. Um, so I, I, I'm excited about the pick. Um, Jay, are you back yet? <laughs> no? Yeah, I'm here. I'm here. Okay, so Jay. No, I'm here. Jay, Michael Pittman. um is he the most handsome person on the team now? <laughs> yeah, Quincy Wilson is gone now, so uh, Pittman is taking his place as the uh, king in the room. And what about his number? Yeah, 86 is good enough. It's not the greatest, but at least it's an 80. He could have gone with 16 if he wanted to keep the 6 part of it, and that would have been real bad. That would yeah. be a train wreck, Uh but especially with the 86, he's kind of a almost as close as you can get to a bust-proof pick for the Colts at this spot. There were more athletic receivers like Denzel Mims that were there, but they're going to take longer, and they have a chance of not turning out. But I think the worst-case scenario from Pittman with his work ethic and his character and uh, athleticism, you're probably looking at a guy that's a good rotational wide receiver at worst. Yeah. He likes to block too. I mean, all of the, all of those things, like I said, you do a Ballard's Ballard drafts prototypical player and it really would spit out someone like Michael Pittman. Um just because height, weight, speed, character, all that kind of stuff. He was productive in college with horrible quarterbacks. My god, watching <laughs> watching the tapes, watching the tape of him and the three quarterbacks and the three systems he's played in is it just makes you just makes you feel sad. Um um but it doesn't make you I mean we had to watch Reset last year so I guess it's it's similar. Um so let's move on. Um uh, let's continue. Let's talk about Jonathan Taylor. Um a lot of people hate this pick. A lot of people love this pick. Um, and I, I don't get it. Uh, um, I, I don't get it personally. The Jonathan Taylor is just a fantastic running back. The, the, I don't, I, I don't even know how you can, if you trade up for a quarter or you trade up for a running back. Okay. You don't take one in the second round. Okay. Whatever. But did you watch this guy at Wisconsin? He was really fun. Alex, tell us about JT. Yeah. So I think this is definitely the most interesting, uh, pick of the draft and sort of the one that makes you think the most Um, right off the bat. I think the baseline that you sort of have to understand when we're talking about the player is that Jonathan Taylor and Zeke are pretty much the same prospects, except one played at Ohio state and the other played at Wisconsin. And so Wisconsin, a, you get that great offensive line and you, but more importantly, you get the, uh, 
sort of the reputation that comes from being a being a uh, Wisconsin running back uh, who have obviously not fared well in the past and B played at a uh, program that's not really playing at the levels at uh, that uh, Zeke was playing at and, you know, rushing all over the national championship game. I think the thing with JT is that he is um, truly like would be a consensus number one running back. I think in any other draft, maybe even a top 10 type pick for some foolish team uh, if he played somewhere else. Uh, he's great. He's old, which, and he has a lot of carries on his uh, belt, which doesn't totally matter. Uh, if you're saying, okay, we're not going to pay him a second contract as you really shouldn't do with running backs. So that risk is sort of um, mitigated. Um, but outside of the player who I think we can all agree is great. I think it's more important to understand the pick and sort of the process that went into it. Um, first of all, I don't really care about the trade up. Some people have a problem with that. I mean, like if your fifth round picks don't matter, we have to stop pretending like they do. Uh, and if he's the guy you want, go and get him. So, um, and, and I'm going I'm yeah, to throw, throw it right back to you. They traded away like the 13th pick in the fifth round. And later on they traded down and got the third pick in the fifth round. It doesn't matter. It doesn't and matter. They traded Quincy too. Like they knew like it's, yeah, exactly. Like it, you're going to get these picks back and they're not making your team anyway. And, right. and they jumped in front of Jacksonville who were probably going to take Jonathan Taylor because Fournette sucks. So that's all good. Those, those are all good things. So just stop complaining about the fifth round pick. Tell me three fifth round picks who played super well right off the top of your head, and we'll go from there. All right, Alex, you can have it back. Yeah. So, um, when you think about the pick and sort of the process that went into it, I think Ballard's uh, post game or post draft comments were really interesting in that he said, okay, we knew we wanted to find special players on offense. It didn't matter the position. Uh, so, we took Pittman, who we thought was special, and then we, because, uh, and then we, Saw Jonathan Taylor there. We went and traded up for him. We saw him as an explosive special player. So what I think is important there is they're not saying we needed to get our running game better, right? Because we all know we we know what the nerds say and we know what our you know our brain tells us and that running back uh, production is replaceable and that they're not really elevating the team much. And do I think Jonathan Taylor is going to elevate the team a ton? Probably not. I think he's going to be a really good player. I think he's going to put up absurd stats, especially once Marlon leaves, presumably next year. I think he's going to be a really good player. I'm not sure how much value he's going to provide, but that's, you know, that's what you get with running backs. And I think he's as good as any of the prospects. The thing is, is that a lot of people have been using this pick sort of to uh, criticize Ballard as, you know, oh, he's making a running back pick and he runs the damn ball and all that stuff. He's spent these picks on offensive line and he's just trying to, uh, uh, build this running game monster and to that maybe i mean a lot uh there's a lot of evidence for that but i think we need to separate the uh pick of a running back from sort of this one-time pick of a running back in the top 60 from sort of an overall commitment to a running game reliant on the running back as opposed to the offensive line right because uh they said Jonathan Taylor was a special player on offense. They didn't say we didn't do improve the running game. So by they're not um, the trade for Jonathan Taylor is not really for a running back, but for a player they uh, consider special. We might say okay, running backs can't be special, and maybe these GMs and these front offices they're not there yet. They're not ready to go to that lens. So while we might might not like what a running back means, we can appreciate a they're going for explosive players on offense, and b that they see this as a sort of a unique circumstance in which to get a running back. They haven't done it before, and I 
I'm going to trust them that they're not going to. This is not going to be a continuous thing where they're wasting these value or these valuable picks on players who really aren't as valuable. I think so. That's why I guess my thing is I don't love the pick, but the rationale behind it is not to me like terrifying for the uh, future of the franchise. I think it's a sign that he wants to improve the offense, which of course it needs, and uh, that's a bit that was the biggest need coming into this draft. He wants to improve the offense with explosive players. Um, in whatever form that takes. We wish it wasn't a running back, but if it was going to be one, I'm glad it's Jonathan Taylor, and I'm not really worried about what it means, you know, long-term. So one thing I'll say about the Jonathan Taylor pick, outside of uh, Clyde uh, Edwards-Lair going to Kansas City, I don't think that there was a better running back offensive line pairing than Jonathan Taylor and the Colts. Um, we just signed a fullback, so we didn't talk about that, but yay, that's cool. Um, whatever, fullbacks are, are dumb, but most likely he'll be like another, he'll be like another, uh, you know, tight end basically, um, just, just doing some of those types of blocks. Um, but with our offensive line and the holes that they created last year, which some of them were insane. Like you go back and watch the Colts like offensive line, like in the running game, absolutely just insanity and these are those are kind of the lines that jonathan taylor worked with um at wisconsin when it, when you come to the big 10 and and the running game against other players so i mean i i, I just I, I i see an app like you know are running backs replaceable all the statistics and analytics say yes um are is the running game not as important as the pass game yes like all of those things can be true but all, the other thing that can be true is that you can have a 226-pound uh, running back who runs a 4-3-9 uh, running through giant lanes in the NFL, and that's just going to be fun to watch. Because um, let's be honest, guys, last year was not fun to watch. It wasn't. Like, I mean, as much as Mac was a good player and fun to watch, the running game was actually fun to watch. Um, I think Jonathan Taylor, when it comes to actually being like a, a pure runner, is is significantly better um, than Mac. And I think it'll be, um, it'll, it'll be fun. And I think it fits with Philip rivers and his age, right? Um, you know, play action is the best play in football. Um, and, and again, running backs are replaceable, but with Jonathan Taylor, there, play action um, is going to be insane. Cause when he played at Wisconsin, he was always up against an eight box always. Cause their quarterback was also truly terrible. So, you know, having having the 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 field spread when you have you know Pittman and 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 Hilton and Campbell and those you know some of those other guys you know who aren't super good, but you've got the speed and Campbell and and Ty to take pressure off of that box. It's I, I mean I I'm excited for the player honestly. I think um, you know I I don't necessarily care for running back in round two. Um, but if it was going to be a running back in round two, I don't think you could get a better one for us than Jonathan Taylor. Garrett, Ollie, you guys have anything you want to say about Jonathan Taylor? I think the running back on day one and day two is kind of has taken on this sort of symbolic significance of like if your team does it, then they are committed to an outdated style of play and are it kind of represents just a. A general culture that is not really up to date or intelligent or, or progressive. 
But I mean, it, it's weird to view this particular pick, which is first of all, like uh, a mid second rounder. It, it's not a huge commitment. Um, and it, it, it comes on the heels of the Chiefs, who have just won the Super Bowl and who have been lauded for their, you know, passing so much on first down and doing all of these new age things, who, have, you know, just took a running back at 32. Uh, and then the, the Ravens, who have been, you know, the analytics darling for the last couple of years, uh, uh, took Dobbins as well. Um, so it's not, you know, the NFL teams don't really think that way yet. Even the ones who are considered like smart, they still want to run the ball and they believe that that has a value that is probably inflated um, compared to what we actually know it to be statistically. So I'm not, uh, I don't view this as really a big deal. I mean, I do, Jonathan Taylor is a good player. And what were they, if they had drafted a linebacker or something with that pick, the difference to the team is pretty negligible. Uh, they had just drafted a wide receiver. There weren't a lot of people I had on my board who I was really excited for at that point. So I thought that the opportunity cost was fairly low. Uh, so I think for a lot of us, it was deal. just Jalen, right? It, that was the only opportunity cost. Yeah, but and, and you know, they, um, they at that point, uh, I don't think they were looking at any QBs on day two, um, really. Uh, and I understand that they, if they didn't like just if they just didn't like Jalen because he was my QB three, but uh, I, I understand he's not like a great prospect. And there wasn't like um, the problem that they've been in for the last couple of years is that they just ha- the, the QB classes haven't been deep enough since Andrew left to really just affect a rebuild build unless they commit to tanking, uh, which they are at this point too good to do. There hasn't been like a Lamar Jackson uh, or a Patrick Mahomes, like a late first round pick or he was earlier, but you know what I mean? Um, so I, I kind of got off track there, but I, no, I don't think this is a big deal is what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. I mean, really, I mean, I, I think you guys are right. When you look at it in the context of who else could we have taken, who was right there? Um, a lineman, maybe right. Um, Josh Jones, I think, was still on the board, but he didn't end up going to pick 73 or something around there. Um, you know, I think J- corner is maybe the one positional uh, like positional player you could be uh, concerned with because just Kristen Fulton was there, who I really liked. There were some players still there. But. Yeah, I think that's fair. Ollie, what about you? Um, one question I would ask you guys is, when we traded up, like, was there anybody else that you thought they were going for rather than a running back? I thought it was Jalen just because they yeah, jumped Jacksonville, they jumped Chicago. It seemed like, you know, it, it was the only mm-hmm. player they would really be, really be making a move for just because we hadn't considered Jonathan Taylor all season. Yeah. And I think that Jay, uh, Alex and I were both excited because we thought it was Jalen. And I think that would have been a better pick, not only because you have an uncertain future at quarterback. And I think that he is actually a, a good quarterback prospect. Um, and he offers so much additional utility as a runner. Um, and just would give us, I, I think, so I think that, um, and you don't have like really a need at running back. That's the other thing with this pick. I understand that Marlon, you don't want to re-sign him, but this is, uh, using a second round pick is, you know, about as big of a commitment as it would be to probably to keep Marlon around. Um, so I thought that that would have been a better pick, but not in a super significant way. Yeah. That's a, that's actually, that's a really good point. Talk about you know, Marlon and I, and I'll, I'm, I'm looking at the, the draft Ollie and I'll, I'll give you an answer there um, here in just a second. But, you know, really when you think about it, it, it does prove that they are smart and not 
willing to give a running back a second contract, especially someone who could be set up pretty well, like Marlon Mack with a better quarterback, a really good offensive line. Um, you know, how much money does Marlon Mack want? Um, you know, they don't, they're not, they, we've, they've already basically just said, Marlon, we're not paying you next year. Um, and so, I mean, that, that in itself is, um, smart, right? I mean, if we think about it team building wise, um, but again, I still, I still really like the player. So I'm going to, I'm going to go with that. Um, hopefully this doesn't start playing cause I'm trying to pull up the draft order. Um, okay. So Jonathan Taylor, I guess when I look at it like right away, um, maybe Jalen Johnson would have been the only player, Travion Diggs, those two corners, um, outside of Hertz. Cause I, I'm with them on Hertz. I, I was a big fan of Hertz, um, that I would have been willing to, um, say trade up for, um, you know, I really like both of those prospects coming out as, um, as cornerbacks. And I do think cornerback is still a pretty decent need, um, we really need to see what Rocky scene can do. Um, Xavier Rhodes, um, original, original draft crush, um, back in 2013, um, you know, comes full circle. Now he's back. Um, so, you know, I, I, that, that'll be interesting. So, um, I really thought that they would go that way. Um, but they must really like their, their options at corner. Um, they probably like tell a lot more than we think. Um, so we'll, you know, we'll go from there. But that, Ollie, that is a good question. But I really think, you know, who who would I have wanted? It would have been Jalen or Trevon or, or Jalen. So. Uh, one, one other thing I thought was slightly funny was that I'd seen Pittman sort of compared to Vincent Jackson. And then I'd seen NFL.com's comparison for Jonathan Taylor was uh, Ryan Matthews. And, of course, both of them played with <laughs> <laughs> That that is kind of funny. It it does seem like they're. I mean, so so last year the team sucked because they built the team for Andrew. They really did. Like you, you can't tell me anything otherwise. They had the the defense that was built around pressure, um, even though they didn't really have much of a pass rush last year. They got gassed a lot, um, but it was really built. You know that Peyton Manning esque team where it was um, where they were trying to do you know long or I guess. I guess not Peyton Manning, but they were the Andrew team that they tried to build was built on long sustained drives, move the chains, keep it going. They're going to run. They're going to, you know, Andrew was going to be able to pass. The defense wasn't going to be on the field very long, but then they got Jacoby who couldn't hit the broadside of a barn with any sort of pass. Um, And so it really changed just the entire aspect. And now we've got rivers as the quarterback. They're trying to, I mean, it's a familiar scheme. He's played with both of our offensive minds before. They bring in a receiver type that he likes. They bring in uh, they bring in a running back who will play really well with him. They already have Hines um, and Campbell, who are both players that will benefit from Philip Rivers because Philip Rivers will throw it to the um, to the halfback and the and the and the fast slot receiver a ton. Well, you know that was your Austin Eckler, um, you know type role. Um, for them. So they're building that team kind of the offense around him and, and they should. Um, and I think it'll be really interesting to see um, if that works out for them. Cause again, this is the best offensive line that Phillip rivers has ever played with. Um, and he needs it now more than ever being old. So definitely, definitely an interesting thought, Ollie. Um, let's move on to 
Julian Blackman, um, who, by the way, I did not watch. Um, it's really, in, in my mind, I kept thinking that this was a win-now draft when they took Pittman and took Taylor. Um, and then they go ahead and take in Julian Blackman, who tore his ACL in December, who's most likely not going to play this year, um, or if he does play, he won't be playing until November, December, um, at the at the earliest. Um, and I think so, it's still a win now. It's still a win now draft. They just you can't really make a win now picks after <laughs> the second round. Frankly, that's, that's fair. I think that's fair. I think it's fair. Uh, Julian Blackman, though, uh, I did get a chance to watch just a little. I mean, I'm just a very, very tiny amount. Um, and I watched a couple games where he played cornerback. That was not good. Um, but he does seem, when he was playing safety, to have some really good instincts. Um, and I, you know, with all the rumors, with all the rumors of Malik being on the trade block and. Um, all that other stuff. I don't know if you guys saw it, but he did the the NBA thing where he deleted all Colt stuff from his Instagram. Um, you know the drama. Um, them taking a safety didn't surprise me. Um, it'll be interesting to see if he's still on the roster. You know, uh, Hooker, who I'm talking about. Um, at you know by the by the time the actual season starts. The thing is, is if they're really in the win now sort of mindset, I don't see how trading Malik for a pick that you're going to get for a guy like him, which is what maybe a, maybe a late day two pick. Like if they're in sort of this win now, uh, focus, I don't see how trading a good player who just can't really stay healthy is the problem. Uh, sort of aligns with those goals, which is why I always thought the rumors were a little weird. Maybe if they had a safety prospect lined up, they would make that type of move, but I don't expect a trade at this point. Yeah. I, I, I don't, I don't, I, I, at least it's another one of those picks where they're pretty much already saying, Hey, we're probably not going to pay Malik. Um, right. You know, I think, I, I think, I think it's, Hey, if you can stay healthy for a season, finally put it all together, then we'll pay you. But I don't think they wanted to make a commitment at this point. Yeah. And it's fair to get someone who had now granted. So just like a lot of their picks that we've seen over the years, especially in day three, and this was a day two pick on the third round. Um, he's new to the position. Um, safety that is um, he is athletic he didn't get the test because of the torn ACL but he, his alleged like other numbers and I don't have those in front of me um, from like other type pro days and like I guess his Nike day um, high school whatever he's very quick um, so I mean he does have those things and again he's another one of those he's a he's a team captain guy coach's kid or I don't think he's a coach's kid but you know coach's favorite um, so it's definitely interesting. Uh, I think, again, they did target a need. Safety, depth safety was a need. Clayton Gathers is gone. I think next year we'll see a whole lot of Malik, Odom, and uh, Willis um, out there. So, And, and I like Kari. He, he played really well um, last year. So he'll he's definitely earned a, a much lar- larger role. Um, so safety was a need, especially a higher upside player. So... You know, I, 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 I like I, I like the idea of the pick. I don't like the fact that he probably won't play until December. Um, but then again, the NFL might not be playing until December, so it doesn't matter anyways. Um, yeah, I think one quick thing about the pick is that I like the player. I love pretty much all of Utah's defense last year. I had a ton of fun watching them throughout the year, and Blackman always stood out to me as what I thought was their best player outside of the corner. Um, I liked it better than the other safety. 
The thing with him is he was new to the position, and you sort of saw it, right? Against USC when Pittman had like 200 yards or whatever. Uh, that was, I believe that was one of his first games. It was week four, and I think he had just started playing safety, really. And uh, he got burnt on a few plays where he couldn't really find the ball in the air. But as the year went on, he really started to get it together. And that's why I think the injury was so devastating, because he was playing his best football. And, like, he flashed in that the uh, few snaps he played in that Pac-12 championship and uh, some of the games before. So I really like him. He's my type of player in that he sort of has this really exciting combo of um, high floor, high ceiling, which is really what I'm targeting. And high floor is that he has a pretty clearly defined role uh, as sort of a safety who can sort of make plays in the backfield. I think he can have special teams value. I think he can play the ball pretty well. And he's got this upside of being uh, maybe even sort of the combo safety who can do stuff uh, in single high, can do stuff as a high safety, can do stuff in the box as well. The EV is pretty low, just because, or is relatively low, I should say, because um, you know he has a lot to put together, and the injury is sort of what makes it less exciting to me. Uh, obviously, just because I think the player is probably maybe a third round pick, but with the injury is why I was less sold on the player. But maybe the process behind it is what was, or at least the process behind the prospect was uh, was exciting to me and something I appreciated. Yeah, Jay, Ollie. Anybody? Julian Blackman? Yeah, um, I really like Blackman. Uh, when I watched him, Alex had brought him up one time, and I was like, oh, yeah, I'll look into him. And I actually really liked him. Um, he's really instinctive for having barely played safety, and hey, you can see the athleticism. He's got a few plays where he closes from the deep half of the secondary and tackles somebody behind the line of scrimmage. Um, so I think the way the process going into the pick was them kind of giving themselves an out in case something happens with Malik Hooker and they decide not to resign him because at this point they have not, they're probably not going to pick up his fifth year option and going to make him play out his fourth year before they uh, decide what, or before they do anything with him. So this is kind of the player that they want Malik Hooker to be in this defense where you're a little more versatile. You can play across the whole defense. Um, where Malik is generally better, you would think, as just a deep center field type safety. Uh, and then the thing that uh, I really liked about him, uh, I just completely lost my train of thought with this baby. Hold on. <laughs> I, I could hear you lose your train of thought. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, so I, I think that he's a good player and they're giving themselves an option and uh with how much they rotate their safeties um even when malik is playing and playing well and they've got uh willis in there playing well they still would bring in gathers a lot they bring in odom a lot uh they really do a lot of rotating and so i think even if they decide to keep malik hooker this is a going to be one of the main rotational pieces they'll use on their uh back half and then it also gives them an out in case they move on from a week. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to the player everyone wants to talk about. <laughs> Jacob Eason, fourth round pick. Um, I'm. I. All right. So, fourth round Jacob Eason is so much better than day two Jacob Eason, and so much better than any day Jake Fromm. So. <sighs> I am totally okay with the pick because again, fourth round pick and beyond don't really matter. Um, he's in a really good lo- he's in a really good spot. 
He's got a great teacher who kind of plays like him in Philip Rivers. He's got a coaching staff that I actually do believe in. I couldn't say that about our last coaching staff. Um, and the dude has a freaking cannon. It's insane. His arm is nuts. Um, I think he said it was the second highest uh, MPH recorded at the combine behind uh, Josh Allen, which is maybe not great. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's, I mean, that, I mean, still, I mean, his, I mean, it, it is insane, but he's not super accurate. Um, so, and when any sort of pressure comes at him, he crumbles like Christian Hackenberg. Um, I mean, I mean, I'm serious. I mean, you, you see, pressure. that's a good comparison. Yeah, I, no, had it, I had to vocalize that. That's a pretty good comparison. I mean, when he that's gets, actually what I thought of when I was watching him. Yeah, <laughs> just I mean, pressure comes at him, and it's like, oh my god, he has no idea what to do. Um, which honestly, Jacoby didn't really either, except Jacoby could kind of get out of the way, um, and then he still wouldn't know what to do. He just kind of throw the ball wherever. Um, but you know, he I, and it, he's and a special player, Grant. You got to lay off him. He's a special like, player. He's a special man. Um, but. But I, I'm okay with round four. I mean, he's not playing next year, or he's not playing this year, um, unless something god-awful happens, um, like Jacoby and Philip Rivers both die. You know, like, there's there's no reason he sees the field unless we're beating someone 50-0. to zero. Um, And and he most likely, he's going to be on the roster all year long, um, and but he'll probably not be dressed for any game. So... Um, that's probably what's going to happen, especially with the. I think they're in the new expanded roster rules this year, where you have, where you can have. Um, I think the rosters are just a little bit bigger. You have to dress a couple more people, um, but I don't think he'll be one that'll be asked to dress um, very often. And so, I'm okay with him sitting and learning um, as long as you know, as long as we still have Jacoby, who I don't want to see throw another football for the, the Indianapolis Colts, except in preseason. And even then, let's just get it over with and move on to Jacob Eason. Um, but you know, I'm, it, it's an okay pick. I, I mean, I mean, it's a, again, it's a fourth rounder. Um, fourth rounders hardly, you know, make any sort of contribution. Um, we've already traded away our 2016 or 2017 draft second and third round picks to the jets in two respective years. So, you know, I mean, it doesn't really, in, in the grand scheme of things, fourth round pick doesn't really matter what do you guys and and i don't know who to call on this one because i don't really know who's watched him a lot so just pick this one up um ollie looks like he's got something to say so we'll start with ollie ollie when you look at jacob eason what are what are we getting uh the first thing i was going to say was that the first fourth round pick that ballard made was zach bonner so that kind <laughs> of where we're at with, with fourth round picks um i thought the eason move like the the value of it in the fourth round was one where I completely understood it. In terms of, I, much like everybody else in here, want, wanted Jalen Hurts in the second round, really. But uh, Eason in the fourth, it did seem like great value. He has tools that Ballard's, Ballard sort of looks for. Um, I think he can learn a lot just watching Rivers day in, day out, like how you, how you go about yourself as as an NFL quarterback, as the leader of a franchise. Um, like you said, he's got such a big arm. He can make every single throw. It's just they now need to build the rest of his game up. I, I said to you the other day about how he's only he's only started 26, I think it was 26 games in college. And like Herbert started over 40. 
so there is still so much development to go with him that at that point in the draft, I completely understood it. And much like you, I'd much rather take Easton there than from anywhere. What I thought was encouraging was that they uh, they said they uh, in the, in the post draft comments, which I've really just begun to believe straight up because I think Ballard's done a pretty good job of just saying what he means. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's it seemed a to me like obviously he was not guaranteeing guaranteeing him a roster spot. It's certainly not a backup job. Um, B, he was not even guaranteeing, or he uh, was obviously not guaranteeing him as sort of a long-term piece, which I think is especially important because if Rivers doesn't work out, or even if he does and they still want to add the next guy in the next couple drafts, it doesn't sound like Eason's going to stop them unless he sort of earns it. And I think I trust the staff to know what earns it looks like in the practice field although i guess you wouldn't know until a game but the third thing was is this really just sounded like it was a best player available type situation where they said okay this is one of our needs um and we had easton graded in the third round so this is fine right like it did not say it didn't sound like okay this is a quarterback we like let's go get the quarterback because you know we need a quarterback um it was this is one of the best players on the board at a position of need why don't we just take it and i think that uh, is though of course quarterback. I mean, the reason it's a good pick is because quarterbacks matter, and the chance to get a franchise one anywhere is pretty much always a good idea. Uh, and Eason certainly has upside. I don't think he's going anywhere because I don't think he's very good. I'm not high on the player at all. But um, if a if any coaching staffs could get anything out of him, it's probably going to be this one. And b I think re- the downside is just not there to really make up for the fact that it's got a tremendous upside, even though it's not likely. So I, again, I'm really into the process this year. I'm just making sure the process is sound rather than the picks. Cause I don't love all the players they've taken. I just want to know that their heads in the right space. And I think with this pick, it certainly was. After he was drafted, uh, Chris Mortensen sort of went on, on a saying about how there were five or six character concerns with, Eason and then they asked Ballard about that in the sort of post-draft press conference type thing and Ballard sort of said that it was unfair to say that about him but I did think that maybe him saying about how he wasn't guaranteed a roster spot or anything was sort of trying to light that fire underneath him and sort of say look we've drafted you in the fourth round but there are two other quarterbacks on the roster You, you have to now earn that spot if that makes sense yeah, I think that makes sense. I it, it yeah, I think I I think what Alex said nailed it. Is the process make sense? Does the player make sense? Maybe not, but does the process make sense? I think it's. I mean, if you have a if they had him valued higher and they took him lower, then in their win, in their mind, they have a win, right? Um, all right. So fifteen minutes left. We can probably cover these other guys pretty quickly. Um. Fifth round pick was Danny Pinter. Um, nope, that's wrong. Nope, that's right. Um, so, <laughs> sorry, what, what website I was looking at had this weird ad in between um, the name and the pick. Um, but Danny Pinter, offensive lineman at my alma mater, Ball State. Um, Let's all agree not to spend more than a minute on this pick. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So here, this is this is the pick in a in a nutshell. We we lost Haig. We lost Josh Andrews. And they drafted a guy who was very high on a lot of really, on a really, on, was really high on a lot of people with analytic boards. 
Um, his measurables are really, really good. Um, he is an interior player, and we need someone who can play center, who can play guard, um, backup wise. And he might even be a six. He might even be like candidate for six O lineman because he has a tight end background. Um, that's Danny Penner. Um, he's uh, his picture for the draft really threw me off because um, he had. Um, I think he had like a bleach blonde beard and black hair. Um, and it really threw me off and I immediately hated the pick because his handsome rating is near zero. Um, but I think his hairstyles changed. So that's okay. Um, but I, I mean, we needed offensive line depth. They got, they drafted a guy who has athleticism, which is what they look for, um, through the roof. Um, so, I mean, not, I mean, I, I didn't watch him. Um, I'll be honest, even though ball state's my alma mater who watches ball state football, not very many people, um, I will tell you guys a funny story um, about Ball State football. Uh, I only went to one game. It was the whiteout game, and I was blackout drunk. Um, so um, that there's 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 we'll start the story there. It was the whiteout game. Everyone's wearing white. I was blackout drunk, and so was my friend. And there was this moment um, where we're all standing on top of the bleachers, standing on the bleachers. So first of all. Standing on the actual bleacher, as you know, when there's a ton of people, that thing sort of gets wobbly. I'm a big guy, but I've got good balance. I didn't fall. Um, but we're all up there, and me and my friends, all being blackout drunk, are holding on to each other. And my friend does the quote from Happy Gilmore, um, where he, where I think it was like a, the ball was out of bounds or something, and he yells at the top of his drunk lungs, suck my white ass ball. And yells it, right? And then literally the entire stadium went silent. I'm not kidding you. Like I'm I'm not I'm not exaggerating in one way, shape, or another. The entire stadium gets entirely quiet and like you would see the entire student section just look at my friend. And he he just starts laughing and he just basically sits down. And it was one of the it was one of the funniest moments of my life, to be honest, because I mean, it was, it was like a perfect spot. The play had been whistled, the, you know, the, the whistle had been blown dead. There was no music. And it was like, right as he started to scream, that's when it happened. And it was just absolutely amazing. But that's, uh, that's my ball state, uh, football story. Even though I went there my freshman year when they were like undefeated and they got ranked, um, in the AP poll, um, I still didn't go to any games, um, because I was always working on Friday, Friday nights. Um, but uh, anyways, that's Ball State football. Um, next pick, um, Rob Windsor, defensive tackle, Penn State. Um, Alex has probably watched him more than anybody else, I'm guessing, just from proxy. Um, Alex, talk about Rob. Yeah, I didn't know the player particularly well. I watched some of the tape afterwards, though. Uh, again, this is one of those picks where I like the process fine. I don't like the player. Um Fifth round defensive tackle who uh, seems to be a high character, high motor, and fairly athletic guy. I mean, great. Sounds good. Uh, if you sort of stop there, uh, you're probably getting 90% of the picture, and so you'd be fine with it. I don't love the player, though. He doesn't really know what he's doing, which is kind of scary for a guy who's played as much as he has. Um, you watch him try to win against any offensive lineman one-on-one, and he sort of just uh runs in place and doesn't really seem to have a plan he can sort of only bull rush his hands are really non-existent at this point um i don't think that's anything that's going to get better anytime soon uh he basically he's making plays just by sort of being disruptive and uh just making effort plays which is uh, fine and when paired with when uh, that's paired with athleticism sort of creates a really 
interesting ceiling where you have a guy who's sort of athletic enough to make plays and uh, has the motor to sort of consistently do it. But um, his actual skills as a defensive lineman are, leave a lot to be desired. So I'm not thrilled about it, but again, it's hard to complain about an athletic guy in the fifth round. Yeah, I'm looking at this, uh, I'm try- just trying to throw some context into these picks because I haven't really watched many of these guys in the uh, in the fifth round. I, my, my entire thing with this year was I've been so busy because of COVID at work, I have not been able to do much of draft of anything. And before then, I was playing too much World of Warcraft. It was like heroin um, where I just couldn't stop. I just couldn't stop. Um, and so I was just going to watch everyone after we drafted him. But he does have a 15% pass rush win rate according to pff's draft guide which is really good um, there you go so i'll take it in the fifth round i'll take it he's his nfl player comparison was draymond jones um and i'm okay with that um in the fifth round um and especially because he doesn't he's just going to be probably what defensive lineman four if he makes the roster if um, that yeah yeah if not if not defensive or interior lineman five um so it'll be interesting um Anybody else comments on Rob Windsor? Anybody watch him? Uh, do you think he pushes Taekwon Lewis completely out? That's a good question. I think the Taekwon Lewis conversation is interesting because we don't have a replacement for Sheard at the moment. Yeah. And does does Taekwon move outside again? Yeah, I'm, so, I'm sort of thinking the Taekwon uh, situation is sort of... Uh, Windsor doesn't really impact that. Because if Taekwon's going to make the team, I think it is going to be sort of a, that strong side defensive end. It's a good question, though, Ollie. It's definitely something to think about because Taekwon's kind of been disappointing, you know, since he's been drafted in the second two years ago. Um, I think he was hurt right that first year, um, but he he barely saw the field last year. Um, and when he did, it wasn't you know there wasn't too much special there. Um, but that's a that's a good conversation. Speaking of that, it is after four o'clock on Monday today, which means that comp pick stuff doesn't affect anything so it'll be interesting to see if you know with our 24 million dollars if they go after a clowny or an everson griffin um to play strong side um, defensive end if they're really trying to go all in it would make sense for one of those guys to maybe get a one or two year contract where they pay them a lot of money this year um, and maybe not so much money next year so um that's good i but it's good right i mean okay we're talking about a second round pick who has been disappointing, and he's on the roster bubble. That We just talk about that as um, roster construction. Like, you know, we're, we're talking about, like, how far the rosters come from, how bad it was three or four years ago. Um, so um, that's, a good, that's a good question, good thought. Um, let's talk about our next pick. Um, so this is the back-to-back-to-back picks. Um, Isaiah Rogers, corner out of UMass. Um, Really interesting because I think all off season all we talked about was arm length and all that kind of stuff. And this dude is tiny. I mean tiny, um, but he's fast. Um, so, um, and that that's that's all I've got on him. Um, I watched a little. I think pound for pound, he's probably my favorite draft pick, uh, just because he's so fun. Like he was the best player in pretty much every game he played. He was the best player on UMass, pretty clearly, and. Uh, you watch him and he just does everything. He's going to be, I would be shocked if he's not a real difference maker on special teams, either as a gunner, which is pretty impressive to me that he is willing to be a gunner and sort of play special teams um, in a non-return capacity as the best player on the team. Um, But 
so yeah, he made a lot of plays in special teams. He's a really good returner. I think he could compete for our return job, which is pretty important. Um, in terms of actually playing corner, I'm not seeing much there. He's really fast. He's pretty agile, and maybe he's got a role as some sort of nickel corner in the future, but he's probably too small to really make a difference there. But as a special teams guy, I'm all in. Uh, you mentioned about the arm length. After he was drafted, he said he, he said this about himself. Uh, they talk about the size and the weight, but I have great length, great arm length, and great eye contact for the ball. So maybe I can't find uh, actual proof yeah. of how long <laughs> he at least claims he has them. So yeah, he wasn't um, he wasn't at the combine. Self confidence is the first step. It is, yeah, yeah. especially for corner, you got to have it. Um, so he doesn't have, um, he wasn't invited to the combine, so we don't have anything from the combine and because of COVID, they didn't have a pro day. So, um, we'll just have to kind of trust. I mean, that's just one of those ones again, six round pick. Um, and if he can be a good returner, that's super important because we haven't really had that until last year when, um, Hines started taking over, um, at returning. So we'll go from there. All right, moving on. Um, Try and wrap this up in the next five to ten minutes. Desmond Patman, uh, wide receiver, Washington State. I think maybe only one person can talk about this, and that is the number one Anthony Gordon fan in the universe. Jay, tell us about Desmond Patman, please. Yeah, so Desmond Patman's really good. Um, He made Anthony Gordon, who's actually the worst, uh, (laughs) he made him look good. Um, Worst quarterback in the state of Washington behind Jacob Eason. Uh, but no, Patman's really, he's fun to watch. Um, a lot of PFF type guys, they liked uh, their other wide receiver, uh, Aesop Winston better, but Patman reminds me of more like a, he's like Brandon Marshall. He's just ridiculously physical and they've got him out there running jet sweeps and, uh, wide receiver screens and stuff. He's six four, two twenty five, something like that. And he ran a four, four and he will just muscle up and, uh, shoulder into any defender that's trying to tackle him and he'll break through a lot of them. Um, and then he's got really long arms and good length. So when, uh, and he actually does use it well, um, like a lot of receivers and like Dante Moncrief types. And when you throw him the ball, they'll throw it up in the air and he'll reach up. He'll fully extend and grab balls that are in front of him or up high. And, uh, I think he's going to be a threat to make the roster as the fifth wide receiver. Um, I think it's between him and fountain kind of that, fifth sixth wide receiver and i think that he has a chance to pass fountain oh the biggest fountain fan in the world says patman might beat fountain interesting um you know what he's wide receiver six maybe five six whatever um if he makes the team um he's a big dude and i'm okay with it um he has great hair um so I'm, I'm definitely okay with the pick. And he got a good number at 85. So that's my draft commentary on Patman. So anybody I else? Did, Go ahead. I did see that his uh, athletic comparison on my draft was Zach Pascal. Great. Because <laughs> he's the most athletic guy ever. Um, okay. All right, last last pick, Jordan Glasgow. Yeah, I saw that with Patman. I don't or with with uh, Pascal. I don't really see that. He's he's a lot bigger and he was faster than Pascal. I don't really get that one. Um, let's move on, Jordan Glasgow. Um, 
I again, I'm not watching this guy. Um, I'm not. I'm, I'm just not. He's a special team guy who probably won't make the end roster. Um, but it's good, right? Ballard's always talking about competition. When we have, when we think about our linebackers, um, who are our core special teamer guys, you're like Sky Moore or um, is he even still on the roster? I don't know. Um, I don't remember these bottom roster guys anymore like I used to. Um, but like, uh, who who are the other ones? Um, Franklin maybe, and the other guy. I think he's still there. Matthew Adams. Matthew Adams, one of those guys. They're all going to yeah. compete for special team snaps. Um, and that's good, right? Just bring them in for competition. Um, most likely, um, these three picks that were back-to-back-to-back were priority free agents that they wanted to lock down because they didn't have a seventh rounder, and they got their guys um, that they wanted to have, and they got them, so I'm I'm okay with it. Um, I, I told, I said it earlier this, or earlier last week, um, that they're going to take a linebacker every single year, um, and we just have to deal with it. I'm glad they didn't take one. Uh, higher, um, but they're they're going to do it because it is special teams, um, and that's just something that they do. So, um, all right, I'm going to go person to person. I want you to give me a draft grade on the ABCD scale, and then an off season grade, and that's how we're going to end. We're going to end the podcast. So, Jay, off season. Wait, does the draft grade encompass the Buckner trade? Yes. No, okay. off season grade is the Buckner trade. Draft grade is what actually happened in the draft. Fair enough? Okay. Jay, Jay off season grade. Uh off whole off season, I'd go B plus. Um Dra- I really liked I really liked the Rivers and Buckner moves. And then I'd say B for the draft. Garrett. I would say B for both. Uh, B because I thought they did a, a, and like an okay job, given that they had so few picks in the draft. Uh, no first rounder limits the upside. And then a B for the off season because even though I didn't like the Buckner trade, I thought that Rivers was a fantastic deal. And if they had to package those two things together, then I get it. Uh, Alex, sorry. Uh, for the draft, I tweeted a C plus, and I have to stick by the tweet, so I'll stick with the C plus. Um, I didn't love, I don't think I loved really any pick, uh, but I sort of get it all. I'm probably going to be higher on Pittman in a few months than I am right now. Um, so C plus for the draft, if we're really being honest and we're having a C as average, uh, so slightly above average. And then for the off season, I think a B is about right. I think the off season makes the drafts better makes the Buckner trade better just because it's all about Rivers and if Rivers is good um, it suddenly makes a lot more sense and suddenly becomes a lot better so yeah B Ollie uh, draft I'd go B minus um, and off season I'd say a B I do outside of Rivers and Buckner I do quite like these sort of reclamation project signings like Rhodes and uh, Trey Burton for some reason, I just quite like the idea of just trying to get them back to some sort of uh, some sort of quality play again. All right, in my final grades, I'm going to give the draft a B minus, and I'm going to give the off season a B plus because I really do like the river signing, and I never have to see. Hopefully, I never have to see Jacoby Brissett throw another ball for the Indianapolis Colts. So, with that being said, 
thank you guys for listening. Uh, we appreciate y'all. Um, and I want to just take just a second to remind everybody to, um, even if you're bored and you're tired of being locked up and whatever, stay the fuck inside. Jesus Christ, people. Like, don't, don't do it. Just stay inside. Wash your hands. Listen to Fosse and listen to the CDC and whatever they're telling you to do. Just do that because if you're not, you're an asshole. And don't be an asshole. And with that, we'll end the podcast. Thanks, everybody, for listening.